Okay, who's been praying for all the rain? I don't know who did it. There he is in the back. Mr. Horticulturalist himself. A couple of people. So after service, people will have words with you. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. But uh, we do praise God, right, for the sun and for the rain and the life that it brings. And we're very grateful, very grateful. Um, Somebody said they saw the ark parked out there, so afterwards we'll be all good, but um, oh, we're thankful for it, and uh, so we want to just be thankful as well for our opportunity to gather together this morning and to worship our God, for he certainly is worthy of the worship, isn't he? And um, you know, whenever we gather together, it's a good reminder that we are in this together, that we are called in Scripture the body of Christ, that we are to work together and walk together following the Lord Jesus, but to do it as his body. And so I think that means that we need each other. You know, we need to be together, to gather, to not only worship, but uh, in that worship, to be reminded of who God is and who we are uh, in him. And uh, all of the, the wonderful spiritual blessings, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, that we have been given as sons and daughters of the living God. And so I pray that, that uh, this morning would be an encouragement to you, also a challenge from God's word, um, and that we would leave here um, changed and transformed, different from when we walked in just a few minutes ago, right? So before we um, stand and worship God through song, which is something we love to do here at Trinity, I would like to read to you from God's word as our call to worship. Here are words of our Lord Jesus Christ taken from the end of the gospel of Matthew chapter 11. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I 
will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life and my burden is light. And that is the invitation of our Lord Jesus. Three invitations and one beautiful promise, rest for our souls. We all need that rest, don't we? We find that only in him. So let me pray for us and then we'll stand and worship God. Father God, thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him above all. Thank you for the freedom that only he brings. Thank you for the hope that only he brings. Thank you for the peace that he brings and only he brings. We thank you that he gives us peace, not as the world gives, but only as he can. And so, Father, we want to honor you through worshiping um, Jesus, praying in the name of Jesus, and doing all through the, the leading and the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may we all continue to enjoy the rest of our souls as we rest in Jesus. So, Father, now our worship is for you, and we have come not to simply receive, but to give. So we give back to you now in spirit and in truth. Worship, because you deserve all of it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we worship the Lord together?
an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising
Father God, we, we want Jesus to come back and to come back soon. But until then, we will wait and we will prepare ourselves for his return. Oh, Father, we look forward to that day. But until then, Lord God, may we be worshiping you and honoring you with our lips and 
giving you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to each other. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for great worship and uh, awesome fellowship. <coughs> well, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Today we are, um, we're finishing up our series on uh, the book of Second Peter. We did First Peter last year, and we are actually finishing up Second Peter today. It's a short book, three chapters, but um, today is the day of conclusions and remembrances as Peter um, just brings this very important letter to a close. So before we dive in and finish our journey through Second Peter, I would just like to uh, just kind of get us caught up in some things going on here at uh, Trinity and the life of Trinity. And so, uh, you know, we do learn, grow, and serve together, and there's many ways that we do that. And one way I think that we, uh, we love to serve together and serve each other in a time of fellowship is through our fellowship lunch. And so that's always, uh, almost always, the first Sunday of every month. And so uh, next Sunday will be the first Sunday of May. And uh, so we will have our fellowship barbecue uh, next Sunday. And so as always, we just ask that you would bring uh, a side dish to share because we provide the hamburgers and the hot dogs. Uh, even if it's raining, we provide the hamburgers and the hot dogs, so we have a great time. And so we just uh, encourage you to bring a, a dish to share, a side dish that goes along with that, and the barbecue. And so uh, it's a wonderful time. If you haven't joined us before, we, we love that. And so after our, at the end of our, our service, we uh, just make our way to the back and enjoy uh, some extra time of fellowship uh, around the table and food. And so that is next Sunday. Um, and so we have a guest speaker for next Sunday, uh, one of our missionary partners, Scott Schwartz and his family. Uh, Scott will be here 
to be uh, bringing the word to us. Uh, he is with Life and Messiah, and we support him and uh, the mission as he is here to um, to bring the gospel, the good news of grace, to our um, to our friends in Lakewood, Orthodox Jewish community in Lakewood and Brooklyn and beyond. And so um, he will be here next Sunday. Claudia and myself will not be here because there's a very special thing happening in our family. Our youngest daughter, we have three children, Lauren, Luke, and Julia. Our youngest child, Julia, is graduating from college next Saturday. And so it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a great event. You do that. And then uh, the next day you start paying back all the loans, right? Is that the way it works? And so <laughs> you celebrate for one day and then... Uh, yeah, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Our eldest, Lauren, who is married uh, to Ben, they're actually right now in transit flying in from Hawaii where they live to uh, to come in for the celebrations. Claudia's mom is, is coming up from South Carolina. So it'll be a, a great, a busy, but a, a fun week at our household. Um, just being able to host a family and, and some friends. And, and then next Saturday and Sunday, being out at uh, her school. She went to Messiah University, which is out past Lancaster in Pennsylvania, near the capital of Harrisburg. And, and uh, so it's, it's a great achievement, you know, and it, it's also a reminder, you know, you start kind of recollecting things when she was younger, and then you just think about all those milestones in our kids' lives, you know, and and she is our third, and just uh, having all three of our kids and putting them through school, and it's a big deal, you know, and in some way also makes us feel really old, you know, that, <laughs> right, all of our kids are, um, you know, uh, out of the house. And so anyway, she is, uh, she's graduating, and so we're looking forward to that. But Scott will be joining us next week to to bring the word. He's been here many times and has such a, just a beautiful, unique perspective when he brings the word of God. And so I encourage all of you to, to come out and enjoy that service next week. Uh, and then what we're going to do, though, is uh, we usually do communion on the first Sunday, the same Sunday we do our luncheon. But we're going to move communion just one week. And so we will do that when I return on the following Sunday, which is May 14th. And some of you are like, hey, May 14th, isn't that? another special day it is it's mother's day if you know that's coming up pretty quickly and so we will uh, have communion on uh, the end of service on mother's day on may 14th uh, that'll be a special day we'll have a, a special uh, message uh, from the scriptures about moms and uh, we also have some special guests that day um, another um, missionary partner of ours the bakers just found out that they will be here they're coming up to celebrate mother's day with uh, one of their children that are up here and so they will be uh, worshiping with us on Mother's Day, and we'll then give an update uh, during that morning service about what they've been doing, and specifically, they actually had uh, just recently gone back to Ukraine, um, and so they're going to be sharing all about that, which is, they had ministered there for, for many, many years, and so they'll be sharing. So you don't want to miss that, so that'll be on Mother's Day as well, okay? So uh, a busy um, few weeks, of course, coming up, and uh, before we, uh, we dive into God's Word, I just wanted to, to take a moment to thank everybody that volunteered and attended our uh, amazing conference yesterday. Um, the conference, Can I Know For Sure If I'm Saved, that was yesterday, and it was, uh, it was great, a big success, and the speakers were excellent. And they had told me afterwards how blessed they were and how, how encouraging uh, this this church was and, and uh, welcoming and hosting them. And so um, just want to say thank you again to all the volunteers, the great team of people that helped to, to put it together. 
and uh, and so it was it was awesome. And so just want to to thank all of you. Just heard great you know great feedback. We had people from from uh, Pennsylvania and uh, Maryland and Delaware and um, uh, New York that came out, and then one from Texas. And so uh, it was awesome. And just to, to hear people just be encouraging, you know, um, just encouraging us. And so anyway, it's great. Thank you for everybody. And um, I also wanted to, to ask, actually, he, he um, asked if he could, and I said, of course. So my brother Bob is going to come up and share for a couple minutes about his experience yesterday. So why don't you come on up? There you go. Good morning. Yes. We were blessed immensely yesterday, and um, the the two speakers that did their presentation, you know, used PowerPoint and so forth, and there was a lot of fellowship. And um, one of the things that uh, I asked Pastor Keith if I could share was some of the content. Um, this will all be posted online, um, but there were, if you remember back at Christmas time when Pastor was speaking about the fact that at the same time we were here in our sanctuary worshiping the Lord, um, all around the world the same thing was happening, recognizing the Messiah for the same reasons, and there was a, a unity, a worldwide unity. And one of the takeaways of many for me yesterday was the fact that here we had two teachers of the Word of God who came hundreds of miles and in a matter of five to 10 minutes, you knew that not only were they addressing the topic of can we be assured, and we were, and we are, but it all adds up. And what I'm getting at is that if you're not hearing the truth, you should be able to recognize it. So for everyone who was here yesterday, um, they put it in the framework of if you don't know the Lord yet, if you know the Lord and you're continuing in your walk, and then finally, those of us who have been Christians for many years, um, words of encouragement. And I likened particularly the PowerPoint. There was a pastor uh, who pastored a church near Baltimore for almost 35 years, Joe Duke. And um, he had two PowerPoint presentations on the board, and it was very simple. And um, unlike my wife, I'm an auditory learner. So I generally will listen, go home, re-listen, and then do my notes. Um, my wife, on the other hand, runs out of pens taking notes. So she, she was on her third pen by the time I was kind of uh, checking out. Um, but Joe Duke, he had a, a uh, PowerPoint slide up that talked about salvation and discipleship and this struck me so obviously he pointed out that salvation is unconditional and completely free and discipleship or the fancy word we use sanctification your walk from the time you're saved until the time you see jesus in glory is costly and it does have conditions and the two of them together for all five or six sessions, whatever it was, just kept emphasizing that point that they are two different events, if you will, two milestones in a believer's life. 
finding Jesus, following Jesus. Free, no strings attached, costly. Um, I also wanted to share the fact that when people come from all over, you, Pastor, Pastor was emphasizing this uh, all through this teaching on Second Peter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can only know error if we know the word. And they, they really brought that home yesterday. When they were putting Bible uh, quotes and scriptures up on the board, these are scriptures, you know, my wife and I have read for 30 years. And you go by them and you, you yes, I know that, I know that, I know that. But do you own that? And do you appropriate it? And most importantly, are you able to share that with another person in everyday street language to where if they have no idea, you know, to them, church is a building, right? So if they have no idea, do you have the ability to take all of those scriptural ideas, the truth, in fact, and share it in everyday terms? So uh, they did a great job, and, and the reason I asked Pastor if I could just kind of give a, a brief testimony was the fact that as a church, when we offer all of these different, I, I called it one day with him, a buffet of opportunities for each of us to learn or to grow or to serve, and in our discipleship walk, we all do have a role. Doesn't matter what you do. We all have a role, we are a family, and, and Paul alludes to that in the scriptures. But it was really, really enlightening yesterday, and when they, were, when they were pointing out the specific scriptures, and there wasn't enough time for them to do them all, when they were pointing out the specific scriptures that show clearly, right from the Lord's mouth, that our salvation is free and unconditional, for the asking, it's a gift received by grace, as we know. When they were pointing the scriptures out, it was almost like somebody coming up here with a Bible and highlighting scripture after scripture in letter after letter, including the Gospels. And it just affirmed for me what I already knew, but it also provided me with a lot of I hate to use the word ammunition, a lot of tools to witness to people who think the church is a building or who don't personally know Christ or who don't know why I believe what I believe. Um, I'll close with two things. Dawn shared with me that um, the other day, I think it was in, in one of the stores, a um, woman asked her, you know, why are you going to church? Uh, why are you up so early? Oh, there's a church event, and it was yesterday. And um, that leads to a conversation, which can then lead to other things. And you're always planting seed. Another woman shared that she had, for the first time in a long time, encountered somebody that just blatantly said, oh, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. And that person really was so taken back, as any of us could be, not knowing how to respond to that. You know, somebody just blatantly coming out and saying, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there is a God. So where do you begin? So yesterday's material was a lot of information, but in a very 
practical life application way. Uh, we were blessed immensely. The fellowship was fantastic. And the last thing I'll say, uh, so that we have time to finish Second Peter today, is that for those of you who would like Dawn's fruit salad recipe, uh, it's available for a modest fee by seeing me in the parking lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. <laughs> a great summary. Thank you so much. Um, and, you know, we had a couple of testimonies yesterday as well, and now you heard another one. And, um, you know, um, there, there is power in our stories and our testimonies about how God and his word, as it is brought to us and shared with us, and we see how it changes lives. And um, that really came across really well yesterday. And so thank you, brother, for sharing all of that. And I encourage you, you know, if you, if you weren't here, if you're interested, you couldn't make it out or whatever, the, the sessions were recorded. And so they're on our website. So you can just go to our website and check them out. Uh, and of course, all the other sermons from the Sundays are there, but in particular, you'll want to do that. And so take the opportunity uh, to, um, to just avail yourself of, of the wonderful resource and the teachings from, uh, from yesterday, because uh, it truly was a blessing. So uh, again, thank you to everybody that made that happen. Uh, and so if you would, turn in your Bibles. Uh, it'll be up on the screen in just a moment as well, but turn in your Bibles or your phone app to Second Peter chapter 3. And it is the last section of the chapter. So we are on verses 11 through 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. I'll do a bit of a review this morning, and, um, and then we'll just kind of hit home with how Peter is ending this letter. If you remember, Peter is writing this letter as a last will and testament, so to speak. Uh, he had written 1 Peter, I believe, and uh, 2 Peter a little while later, and it was shortly after he penned these words, of course inspired by the Holy Spirit, that he then uh, went home to be with the Lord. And he knew that his days were not long on this earth. If you remember, Jesus had told him uh, as such, and Peter knew that um, he'd be going home to be the Lord soon. And so his words in these three short chapters of this letter to, uh, to many churches in the area that we now call sort of North Central Turkey, he uh, is writing out his last words of encouragement, of challenge, of instruction, his words of wisdom and insights, his last will and testament, so to speak. How many of you have a will? You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have a will? How many of you have instructions for those who will be left behind um, when you pass on into glory? How many of you have plans for that? Not something we like to think about. It's a necessary part of life. But let me ask you this. Not only you know, do we have a um, some sort of document that shows what should happen to all of our stuff, right? All of your millions. Who are you leaving that to, right? You better get, you know, better get cracking on that. But more importantly, what are you leaving for your closest family and friends as far as 
your will, not just the will of your stuff, but your will, your legacy, your words of wisdom, your final sort of conclusions for all that you experienced and learned throughout life. What kind of legacy are you building and are you taking, and I'm including myself in this as we think about milestones and our daughter graduating and, and one child married and all of that, you know, and thinking and praying for grandchildren, you know, can pray along. Yeah, thank you. Um, but we're thinking about that, and I asked this question for all of us, you know, what are we passing on to the next generation, and what are we leaving for our loved ones? Do we want to just wait until we know our days are numbered to just sort of impart all of the wisdom and things that we have learned throughout the years, or are we doing that as we go? And so Peter is writing this letter as sort of a last will and testament, but had spent many years, of course, ministering and sharing the gospel and, and preaching. But he knows that the Lord will come to take him home soon. And so it's important we understand this context as we read this letter, and especially today as we bring it to conclusion, because that is what Peter is doing. He's, especially in these last verses we'll read today, he is sort of summarizing everything and giving his last uh, points of importance, realizing this would probably be the last time he would communicate with many of the people that he really cared about. Because, of course, back then he could not FaceTime or pick up the phone or, or text, right? And it was even hard to go travel and visit. So he's writing this letter. So we keep that in mind as we read these final words. And last word about that, you know, usually when we think about leaving a will or what we call a last will and testament, it is about our stuff. And how many times have we heard about families being torn apart and divided because they can't wait to get all of the stuff, all of the money, right? So for Peter, it's really not about that, of course. He is talking about, hey, remember the Lord Jesus. This isn't even about him. He's taking his last opportunity, really, to communicate with his loved ones, to say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. So oftentimes throughout this letter, we saw the word remember. He uses the word remember. He's it's really not teaching things that should be new to his readers, but he's recalling, saying, teaching them by way of remembering what God has done for them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll see that as he gives us the last words of wisdom uh, in these uh, verses today. So he tells us that we are to remember, not necessarily to remember him, but remember Jesus and to remember who we are in him. And of course, he talked so much in this letter about false teachers. It was the bigger theme because he wanted to warn these people that he loved, these, these Christians who were being persecuted. He wanted to remind them also that you need to stand firm on what you know and what you believe so that you can withstand and recognize the teachings of the false so you can recognize the lie. If you remember when we opened this series, I mentioned about how, um, how that works in printing money, right? And when 
uh, when money is created, you know, it's important that um, those who want to ferret out, um, you know, counterfeit money, that they, they don't just um, study the counterfeit money. More importantly, they study the real thing so that they can recognize anything that's counterfeit, the way that it feels, the way that it smells, the way that it looks. It's the same thing with us. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and his word so that when anything counterfeit comes along, we recognize it. Because is not our adversary, the devil, called a deceiver? And he is a counterfeit, even to the point where we're told that he can disguise himself as an angel of light. So all the more reason that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So let me read this for us now, verses 11 through 18, the last words of this letter that Peter is writing. And it ends with, you'll notice, it ends with the verse, verse 18, which is our theme verse for this year, and it'll be what I focus on for the rest of our time together this morning. So he says this, and, and uh, you'll remember how he picks, off, uh, picks up from last week, and I'll refresh our memories, but he says, since all these things, and he's talking about the earth, the world, are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, right? It's like a rhetorical question. He's like, not what should you, he's like telling you what kind of people you should be as he's asking you, right? Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We'll explain that in a minute. Because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Well, it's some interesting last words from Peter, right? <laughs> but he goes on, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. Again, referring to these false teachers, and then he closes here. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But instead of all that, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And that is how he ends this letter. So let me just kind of recap for you what's been going on, give you sort of a brief overview of what he just said here, and then we will park ourselves for the, the last bit of time together on that last verse, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you remember in chapter one, basically Peter is giving us a call to growth. It's a very encouraging chapter, Second Peter chapter one, and he's encouraging us to grow. He's saying you need to grow into maturity. He goes, don't just become a, a believer 
um, and then just stay there. You don't just cross the starting line and then just remain there. He says, continue on. So he's encouraging the believers, keep growing. Stay focused and close to the Lord Jesus. Keep your eyes um, you know, fixed on him. So his chapter one is an encouragement to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. And then he gives the reason of why in chapter two, because there's going to be false teachers who will prey on the unstable and immature. So chapter one is all about growing spiritually, what it looks like, the tools and resources we have. But then chapter two, he lays out the nature and characteristics of these false teachers. See, so first he prepares them and say, you better keep growing because there's going to be false teachers coming and you need to be able to withstand their temptations and their teachings. So chapter two is all about the false teachers, what they're like, right? And, uh, and it r reminds us that that um, the heresy that he was facing, uh, what became known as Gnosticism, an early form of that, um, is still around today. And so these words are applicable just as much today as they were uh, 2,000 years ago, because there's still false teachers and faulty teaching in churches. And so we are to know the truth so we can recognize those things. So then chapter 3, describing, not, if you remember, he specifically says, you know, one thing they're going to focus on is where's Jesus? He hasn't come back yet. You all, you say, oh, he's coming back. We were just singing, Lord, we want to be ready because you're coming back soon. And, and these false teachers would say, he's not back yet. Now, that was so long ago, right? It had been decades, not centuries or millennia. So we can say that even in a way to a greater degree today. And false teachers can come along and say, ah, oh, you're waiting for Jesus. Where has he been? Is he really coming back? I mean, every generation says, oh, this is the time. Jesus is coming back while I'm alive. Probably because they want that to happen, right? Just like we do. But every generation for over 2,000 years has said that. We say that today in many ways. But yet at the same time, we say, you know what? We recognize that false teaching because Jesus... And in his word, Paul and his teachings and elsewhere make it very clear that Jesus promised he would come back, right? The great chapter in, in uh, the Gospel of John when Jesus says, I, I go back to the Father, right? And in my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, will I not come back for you? And we, we hold on to those words. We cling to those words. He is coming back for us. But these false teachers were, um, were actually mocking the Christians for that. Ah, you silly Christians. You dumb sheep. <laughs> right? You really think that he's coming back? And so Peter is trying to warn us and saying, you better keep growing so that you're prepared for this. This is what's going to happen. And he says in verses three of four of chapter three, again, by way of review, where is the promise of his coming? The false teachers would say, for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues as it was from the beginning of creation. Everything's just going to keep happening over and over, just as it was. God doesn't intervene in history. He's not working in your life now. He didn't ever do anything other than just create earth and kind of let it be. So now here at the end of chapter 3, 
If this is sort of, the whole letter is like Peter's last will and testament, these verses for today are kind of his final words, his parting instructions, his, his wisdom that he is leaving for us. And here's what he addresses, just reviewing what we just read. He's saying, keep the end in sight. Remember, he started last week and he picked up this week. He's like, at the end of all things, when Christ comes back, right? And after the, the millennial reign and all of that, and when it's time to bring in the new heavens and the new earth, this earth will be destroyed, not by floodwaters, but by fire. He's saying it would all be destroyed because it has to be, um, it has to be uh, destroyed to make way for the new heavens and the new earth. So he's saying keep your eyes focused on the future. So that's one great word of wisdom and hope to keep the end in sight. We can get so caught up in our, our daily struggles and routines, which are very real to us and to God, that we can forget, as we were singing before, Jesus is coming back. And we are to keep our eyes looking up, focused on him. You know that so many of the great ancient cathedrals were, were built, and there'll never be anything built like that today. And you travel around Europe, and you see these amazing cathedrals. You know, a big part of the idea behind that, that um, the construction, the architecture, was that you would walk in. If you've ever been to one, you know this happens. You walk in, and what happens? Your eyes immediately go up. They're drawn upwards by the huge ceilings and the tall glass windows and everything. Why? Because the idea was to bring your attention upwards not on yourself. And so Peter is saying, keep your eyes focused on the future because Jesus is coming back. And remember, this earth with all of its troubles and difficulties, it will one day be burnt up and give way to the new heavens and the new earth. So he's saying, look forward to that, but keep the end in sight. But then he says, in light of this, how should we live? And he says, being found holy and blameless, spotless. Well, like we were singing, we are to be the bride. We're called the bride of Christ, waiting for our groom, being prepared, keeping ourselves holy and blameless, right? If we're growing, if we're growing in our relationship and our trust of God, then we will not ever become sinless, but the goal is to sin less, see? See? so that more of our lives are surrendered to him. And that's that great distinction between salvation and then our sanctification that we, right, we become believers and then we live it out. See? So we find Jesus, but then are we willing to truly follow Jesus? So Peter is exhorting us, follow him, right? And follow him closely. Keep your eyes on him if you truly want to follow him. You ever follow somebody like on a, on a trip and then all of a sudden they take off and you're just like, where'd they go, right? Before cell phones, you were just like, you can just pick it up. So we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and then the future, right? But then he also says, we are to tell others about Jesus. And in a way, he puts it this way, which is really interesting. He says, so we can hasten the Lord's return. Now, can we really do anything to bring Jesus back a moment sooner? No. But what is he saying? See, he equates it with sharing the gospel. So he's saying, in a way, the more that we tell other people about Jesus, the more there will be believers, right? And that will, in a way, again, in his thinking, satisfy the heart of God so that he will return. Why? Because he's kind, of, he's kind of giving more evidence of what he had just said when he was like, hey, 
we think Jesus is kind of late in the game because it's been 2,000 years. Why, what is he waiting for? Can this world get even more perverse, right, and evil? Why has God not come back already? And Peter answers that rhetorical question and says, why? Because he would have it that everyone would believe. Now, not everyone will, but that's his heart. So we say, God, how can you stomach, how can you allow all of this evil it's as if God would say as our Heavenly Father, I want there to be more children like you. I just want to give more people the opportunity for salvation. But this is a great reminder for who we are, the church. What is God's plan for bringing the gospel of salvation to this world? It's through the church. God does it. He does the work, but we make ourselves ready and available, right? And so that's kind of what Peter is saying. He's like, we want to hasten Jesus coming back. We all want him to come back, yes? So let's get out there and tell others about the hope that we have found, always being ready to give an account of that wonderful hope within us. So that's the point that he's making. So he's saying, you know what? As he's parting words of wisdom, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to the future, right? Be prepared for him to come back. And a big part of that is tell others. God is so long-suffering because he wants more people to believe, how are they going to hear if we do not tell them, right? But he even uses Paul. Again, this is all just kind of a summary of what he's saying here at the end. He uses Paul as an example, which is really interesting because there had been a, a rift between, you know, Paul and Peter. Remember, Paul called Peter out for things that he was doing and not doing, but yet here Peter calls him the beloved, right? Why isn't it great? We don't want to hold a grudge. We don't want to let animosity last too long, especially between brothers and sisters in Christ. So he calls Paul the beloved. He's like, everything that Paul wrote. Now think about this too, just in a matter of context. He's writing this letter to these Christians. They're all Hebrew Christians. Do you remember the early church were all um, uh, Jewish people who had become believers, right? It wasn't until um, Cornelius and then, of course, others, the first Gentile believers. And so these were all Hebrew Christians who probably, we don't know for sure, but probably made their way up to Turkey because of the persecution of who was Saul, who is now Paul, right? It's probably how they got all the way up there. And so he's kind of saying, you know what? Listen to all the words of my brother Paul as well. I was like, he did such a better job than me, but listen to what he had said. So he's, his readers probably knew too well about this guy, Saul, who drove them, right, because of persecution, who is now Paul. Many of them are like, no way, there's no way this guy, Saul, this persecutor and killer of Christians, could now be God's main spokesperson. But he's saying, remember the words of Paul. So it's good, you know. Maybe in our last words, our last will and testament, and as we build our legacy, we are pointing the people we love, not only to Jesus, but others around them, like Peter is saying to Paul, that we would encourage others, you know, stay in community, surround yourself with believers that will, will encourage you and challenge you in your faith. We said that often as in youth ministry, and I was a youth pastor for many years, and we would talk about that all the time with our, our teenage students, you know. It matters who you allow to have influence in your life. It matters. And so um, Peter is saying by way of reminder, remember everything that Paul taught you too. 
because that was important. And then finally, he's saying, be on guard for all these false teachers. Keep the end in sight. Live holy now. But then we get to our verse. This is the last verse that, uh, of the, the letter, the last things that he wrote. And if this was really the last letter he ever wrote, these are the last words that he put down. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So let's just briefly unpack this before we close. So he says grow. In the Greek, it means keep growing, right? That's the tense of the word in Greek, which is important to know because it's not just, it's a one-time thing. It's do this continually. So he says grow. So it's kind of like a great way for him to summarize everything. It's like you want to be prepared for the false teachers and to recognize it and keep your eyes on Christ. He says just keep growing, he says. Keep growing. Don't give up. Keep growing. Here at Trinity we talk all about learning and growing and serving, right? We'll get to, to knowledge in a second where he says grow. Grow. Keep growing. Become mature. It's what the whole first chapter was about. Grow up into maturity. It doesn't just happen automatically. It takes being intentional. Yes, it takes being in the Word, and it takes praying, and it takes coming to church and, and uh, getting fellowship with others and meeting in smaller groups in your homes. It's, it's about growing. It's about the sanctification process. It's the following process, right? If salvation, that moment we believe, is like being born again, as John 3 tells us. If that moment of salvation is like being born again, then the sanctification is growing up. It's growing, right? So it's like being born and then growing. And we know what that's like, right? I guarantee all of you were there at your birth. Hmm. Right? So that's, that happens at a moment in time when the rest of your life is growing. But see, it's kind of like that spiritually, that we are born again at the moment we believe that happens once in the rest of our lives. It's like, are we going to now find? You have found Jesus. Are you now willing to follow him? That's the sanctification part, see? But he says grow. To grow in what? And he just summarizes it, grace and knowledge. But we don't ever want to forget about that amazing grace. Grace teaches us that Jesus did it all. Grace means literally unmerited favor, meaning God has done something for us and we did not deserve it, like getting a gift. You didn't deserve it. You don't have to pay for it. You have to work for it. It is offered and given to you. Now, it is costly, not to us, but to Jesus, of course. Salvation is. But grace tells us and teaches us that Jesus did everything that was necessary to secure our salvation, right, from our sin, if only we would believe in him for it. That's the nature of receiving. Believing means to receive, to trust, have faith. So we're believing in him. So he, Peter says, grow. Grow what? Grow in grace. We never truly will be able to fully grasp the depths of this word grace, right? And grace isn't just for the moment of salvation. We need to live a life of grace and show others grace very graciously, right? 
It is all-powerful, grace is. It's never-ending, even for someone like Paul, you see. He's like, even somebody like Paul who was Saul, God showed grace, right? By him simply believing. And it's like the readers of this letter would have been like, wow, yeah, the power of grace, even for somebody as treacherous as Saul. Do you ever feel like that? You know, receiving a free gift is hard for us because we want to work for it, don't we? We want to add something to it somehow. Even if we say, yes, we believe Jesus did it all, somehow, and this is also part of a false teaching, saying, you know what? Yes, Jesus did it all, but you got to add those good works to keep it or else you'll lose it. Or you got to do enough good works to show other people and prove that you are saved, you see? But we don't want to ever diminish the power of the cross because what were Jesus' last words on the cross? We're talking about last words of Peter. Did he not say it is finished, right? Because it means paid in full, literally, those three words. He did it all. He paid it all in full. And so Peter says here, grow in the grace. Never stop living in grace, learning about grace, understanding grace, growing in grace for yourself. And, of course, towards others, he says, and knowledge. I think the order there matters. But, of course, how are we going to grow if we don't know? First we know, then we grow, see? So we say, Trinity, you learn, you grow, and you serve, and you keep repeating that. So you learn the truth, and then you grow in your faith and your trust of the Lord, and then the outflow of that is time here until the Lord calls you home. So we learn we how we prepared to face false teachers. Peter's like, you got to learn. You got to have the knowledge of Jesus and all that he taught. You remember the Great Commission when Jesus said to his disciples, look, I'm going to make it easy for you. He didn't say that. I'm putting that in there, right? He's saying, here is my last words to you, my commandment. They're talking about last words today. How about the, some of the last words of Jesus right after uh, the resurrection and before he ascends back to heaven after the 40 days, appearing to his disciples, the last teachings. He says, go out in all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. See? So we have to gain the knowledge, the knowledge of what? Of what the scriptures teach us, of what Jesus taught. Jesus like, go tell them everything that I taught you, but tell them how to obey it because I taught you commands and I taught you how to live and most importantly, right, how to be saved. And so Jesus is giving us those final words. And now Peter is echoing that saying, please keep growing in grace and knowledge. Then he says the final words, but at the end of all things, it's all about God getting the glory. It's like Peter saying, it's not about me, Peter getting the glory. It's not about Paul getting the glory. It's not about anybody else getting the glory. And here's a, an apostle, Peter, who was one of the, you know, the disciples. And here is the guy, part of the group who used to say, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Right? And now he is saying, it's all about God getting the glory. How does God get all the glory? Our salvation brings him glory. Our continual learning and growing about him brings him glory. 
Our growth brings him glory. Our hope in him brings him glory. Our evangelism, our sharing the gospel brings God glory. Our anticipation of his return brings him glory. Peter says in his letter here, look to the future by remembering. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember who you are because you'll be tempted to forget it. The world and these teachers will wear you down. They'll want to wear you down and lead you astray. But it's like, be encouraged by my last will and testament. It's what he's leaving us. Because he's saying it's worth more than money. It's not about the stuff you're going to get. He's saying, when I pass on, and his days he knew were few indeed, what he was giving was priceless. Because he's saying, remember grace. Remember Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close with this? Let me read this for us, and then I'll, I'll pray us out. Romans 6, 4, Paul says this, the one that Peter was referring to, the great Paul. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. What brings God glory? New life. Bringing, raising Jesus back from the dead, accepting that as the payment in full when Jesus said it is finished. That brings him glory. Our new life by believing in Christ brings him glory. And you know what? Our walk with Jesus, how we walk in that newness of life, that brings him glory as well. So let's leave here, leave here being reminded of that and being challenged to tell others also about this wonderful grace. Right. We pray, Father God, we thank you for this time together. Now as we leave here, may we go and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But God, we want to do it for your glory because you get all the glory. And you get all the glory for now and forevermore. And to that we say amen and amen. Let's go in peace and grace and praise him. Thank you, church. Oh, I have days to lose fire. Try my best, but just don't give it right. Talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped, somebody with a hand that I could have helped, when I just can't see past myself. Lord, help me be a little, little more like